that we need. So Luke chapter number 9, let's begin reading in verse number 18. Luke chapter 9 and verse number 18. The Bible said, it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and that's Elijah, that's the New Testament spelling for Elijah, and others say, one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and his Father and his holy angels. But I tell you a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this service tonight, this opportunity, or the last service of 2022. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize, Lord, that you have been so kind to us this last year. You've been so gracious to us. Lord, you've answered every prayer. You've met every need. Lord, you've fulfilled every promise, and we thank you for that. And Lord, as we get ready to step into a new year, a new time, I pray, God, that you would allow this verse of Scripture you put in my heart, Lord, to challenge us and to guide us in this upcoming day. What you do, we'll thank you, and we'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've read several verses tonight, and really I just have one verse out of these verses I, I want to deal with, but I wanted to give you the context. In verses 18, 19, and 20, there is a word about deity. Jesus, and this is the parallel text to Matthew 16. Uh, you may have been uh, recognizing some of the language where Jesus said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He is hearing that they are talking about him. And so they said, Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist. And he said, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter said, In this text, he said, The Christ of God. And Matthew, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is not a contradiction of Scripture. He is saying the same thing. So there's a word about deity. Then there's a word about his death in verse 21 and 22. He straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain. But watch this. He said, and be raised again the third day. All the way back here in Luke 9, he already prophesied, he already said that he would die, but he would live again. Which begs the question, why were the disciples not at the tomb on resurrection morning? Why were they not out there waiting for his resurrection on the third day? The same reason you and I have trouble believing some of the things in the Bible. Our faith becomes weak and doubt begins to settle in. There's a word about deity, a word about death. Verse 23 and 24, we'll come back to this in a moment. There's a word about discipleship. 
And then in verse 25, 26, and 27, there's a word about disapproval. What I mean by that is he's saying you better watch these people. Don't be guilty of living your life for yourself. And then when the Lord comes again, of course the context is at the second coming, but the application can be made to us uh, concerning the rapture because when the rapture takes place immediately after that, we'll be headed to the judgment seat of Christ. And I do not want to be ashamed at the Lord's coming. I don't want him to find me faithless and full of fear and doubt, but I want him to find me faithful with my hand to the plow, laboring for the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm interested in tonight is in verse number 24, this word about discipleship. One man said, discipleship is a daily discipline. We follow Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time. In one Wiersby's commentary on the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Wiersby gave this story. He said, a weary cleaning woman said that the trouble with life is that it's so daily. But she is wrong, he said. One of the best things about life is that we can take it one day at a time. Our lives are made up of days. That's the way God created and designed it all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible said, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Our lives are made up of days. At the, at, at the time that I'm preaching this message on December the 28th, 2022, I have been alive and on this earth for 11,000 412 days. And no, I didn't sit down and calculate all that up. There's a website where you can punch in your birth date and the year, and it'll calculate how many days you've been alive. Now, think about this. Think about the brevity of life. At 2,000 days, 2,000 days old, I was five and a half. At 5,000 days old, I was almost 14. At 10,000 days old, I was 27. At 19,000 days, I'll be 52. At 20,000 days, I'll be almost 55. At 30,000 days, which will be at 2073, I'll be as old as Eric. I'll be 82. That don't seem like a long time, does it? So I punched in Daxon's birthday. Daxon's been alive for 3,298 days. At 2,000 days old, he was five and a half. 5,014. At 30,000 days old, he'll be 82 years old in 2,096. But you know what? All we, we, we see those dates, 2,096. He'll live to see 20, uh, 20 I guess he'd say 2,100. Ain't that going to be weird? I won't, but he will. We see, that boggles our mind, don't it? You know what those days, it's not, we think of years, but our lives are made up of days. I have been saved for 9,394 days. I got saved on April the 9th, 1997. And I wrote this down in my notes. Have my days counted for Jesus Christ? How many days have I lived? I'm not talking about before my conversion. I've actually been saved longer than I was lost. How many days counted for the Lord? The psalmist said in Psalm 90 verse 12, So teach us to number our days. Why? That we may apply our hearts 
unto wisdom. The Christian life is a daily life. We learn in Matthew 6, 11, Jesus says that we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. That speaks of daily dependence upon the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I die daily. That speaks of dying to the flesh on a daily basis. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, the, inward, the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. That is daily development. But in our text tonight, we learn a lesson about daily discipleship. The word disciple, we hear it used a lot, the 12 disciples, discipleship. The word disciple simply means a student or a follower of one. There are things in our life, I'm interested in our verse where Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and here's my word, daily, and follow me. We, have to, we, we, know, we know that we are to do some things every day as far as in our Christian life. We know we're to read the Bible every day. We know we're to pray every day. We, we know there should be a time of worship every day. We, we know we ought to be a witness every day. We know we ought to flee sin every day. We know all these things. And this list could go on and on and on of things that we know we are to do for the Lord every day. You could add things to that list tonight. But I believe here in our text there are four things that we need to do every day. And if we will do these four things in Luke 9, 23, all the other things that we could list that we're supposed to do will fall right in line. I want to preach on this thought tonight, some things we need to do daily. As we are entering 2023, as we are closing out this 2022 and entering into a new year, I want to challenge us all about some daily things. There are four things in verse 23 that I want us to emphasize. Number one, there must be a sincere desire. A sincere desire. Watch our Bible. If any man will come after me, God is not going to make you do right. Now, I want to remind you, there are some people that want to take Luke 9, 23 and say it is an invitation to the lost, but it is not. For in the context, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. For he has just asked them, whom do men say that I am? He would not ask a lost crowd that. So he is talking to believers. He is talking to his disciples. And so he is looking at them. He said, I'm going to tell you, if any man will come after me, it is a personal. We know this is personal in our text. If any man. We must emphasize once again, this is not a call to salvation, but a call to submission. Anyone who is born again should have a sincere desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ closer each and every day. So I said, well, well, I'm a preacher, I'm saved, but I'm not a disciple. That's impossible. Everybody that gets saved is immediately a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, preacher, I'm not always following him. Have you ever looked at the 12 disciples? Peter denied that he even knew the Lord. Thomas was a doubter. We, we, there, are, there are those that we know Judas Iscariot was a devil from the beginning. We know he, we understand tonight that there must be a sincere desire that is personal. Here's, here's my point. I want everybody in this church to live for God. I want everybody in this church to go for God and do great things for God. But I can't make that happen in your life. 
I can't regulate righteousness in your life. I can't say, hey, get up. I can't call every one of you in the morning and say, hey, now read your Bible and pray. And you need to be a witness and you need to be a testimony. I can't do that and I ain't going to do that. It is personal if any man. It is a prerogative if any man will come. It's a choice. You've got a choice on whether or not you're going to follow the Lord. There's only two options here tonight. Either you follow the Lord or you're disobedient. There, there's no other way around it. Either you're following the Lord, you're, you're walking with the Lord. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying that, that, that you don't have sin, that you don't battle with in your life. But I am saying that your desire and your heart is to follow God. It's a prerogative. We know that it's personal. We note that it is a prerogative. Well, watch this. We note that it is a position. If any man will come after me. You know what we want to do? We want to be the lead. We want to dictate the course. We want to dictate how our life should go. We want to give God all these suggestions of how our life should be and ought to be and how we want it to be. But that's not how discipleship works. He said, if any man will come after me. Meaning that you're going to follow me. You know, we sing, I'm your child and you're my father. I'm the clay, you're the potter. What you feed me, I'll try to swallow. No, we don't sing that. We could, though. We follow him. We are not, the Lord is not our disciple tonight. We are to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what you need to do every day? You need to have a sincere desire to follow Jesus Christ. Let's just be honest tonight. Some days that desire is stronger than other days. Hello? I mean, some days you wake up, you can't wait to get in the Word of God. You can't wait to pray. You, you're just looking for a sinner to talk to or to witness to. And then some days you're not even sure if this book is even real. Hello? That desire is stronger at some times than others. But I'm telling you, you've got to have that desire every day. You can't go on the last revival meeting or jubilee or meeting you was in. Every day you've got to have a sincere desire to follow the Lord. It is a daily demand. A sincere desire. Number two, not only a sincere desire, but look on in our verse. They're not, there must also be a self-denial. Watch the text. If any man will come after me, that's the sincere desire. Let him deny himself. That's the self-denial. The word deny means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself's, one's own interest. I wrote this down. We must deny our plans. We've got life planned out, don't we? I, there's nothing wrong with making plans. I have personally went back to a hard copy calendar. Because you can't trust these phones and iPads for your calendar. I wish some of my preacher friends would go back to writing things down. I have a calendar. I have things scheduled. I have things laid out for the year and planned. But at any moment, those plans get turned upside down. We must deny our plans. In other words, too many times, I wrote this down, too many times... We want God to bless what we're doing instead of doing what God's blessing. Do you get that? 
We want God to bless what we're doing instead of just doing what God's blessing. Wouldn't that be a whole lot easier just to do what God's already blessing? We must deny our plans. We must deny our path. As a disciple, it is no longer where I want to go, but rather where he wants me to go. You parents understand this. You're walking through a store, and you've got little ones, and what are you doing? Crossing a street, walking through a busy store, you've got them by the hand. Why? Because it ain't about where they want to go. They want to go off every aisle, every direction, and you blink twice, they're going a New York minute, and in this day and age, you may never see them again. That's why you've got a hold of them. Follow me, stay with me, walk with me. Why? Because you know the danger that's out there. That's why we need to follow the Lord, because we have an adversary, the devil, that walks about as a roaring lion, and he is seeking whom he may devour. We must deny our plans. We must deny our path. We must deny our passions. What are you in love in, that, in love with, that is taking you away from the direction and the path that God wants you to walk in? In verse number 24 of our text, Jesus says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. On this same thing, Jesus says in John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The seed will never produce any fruit sitting on the shelf. It is not until it is buried in a grave will fruit begin to be produced out of it. It is only then when that seed can become what God designed for it to be. But we want to save it. We want to save our lives. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. He said, but if you'll lose your life, if you'll let me bury you in that grave... Fruit will begin to come up. We must deny our plans, our path, our passion. I read this, a man said this the other day, and I've said it before. If we're not careful, and I, and I, and I know what we mean by that, especially when we have guests here, we'll say we want every head bowed, every eye closed, because we don't want anybody to be embarrassed. But Jesus said, deny yourself. Embarrass your flesh. I know what we mean when we say that. But sadly, many people don't go to an altar because they're afraid of what people think. I thank God for the children that come to the altar because it gets the parents down here. Whether the parents want to come or not, the kids are bringing them. Whatever it takes to get you down here. Some of you, we need to put a kid with you so that's not yours so you'll come to the altar. Well, I ain't got to go down there to pray. No, but it's a good thing to. It's amazing. I'll preach and really hammer something, and the people that I think needs it, they don't move. And the people that I know have that truth nailed down, they're the first ones in the altar. Hello? Deny yourself. In this text, you got to do it daily. There must be a sincere desire if any man will come after me. There must be a self-denial. Let him deny himself. Look on our verse. Take up his cross daily. There must be a submitted diligence. 
Take up his cross daily. This is not a cross of redemption. Because in verse number 23, the verse before this, or 22, the verse before this, he has already said that he's going to go and be slain and rise again. He's taking care of that. This is a cross not of redemption but of responsibility. This verse does not mean that we need to become a Christian every day. This verse just simply means we need to be a Christian every day. In this verse, this little phrase, take up his cross daily, involves three things. Number one, it speaks of involvement and take up. You will never be over what you're supposed to be over until you get under what you're supposed to be under. Many want to be saved, but not many want to serve. We need involvement in the work, in worship, in witnessing. Church is not to be a spectator event, but to be a participator. This will not here, but some of my buddies would get aggravated at this statement. And what they do at their church is fine, but I'm afraid church has become an entertainment thing. They said, Lee Robertson said, you're killing your churches with children's church because you're raising a generation that thinks church is supposed to be entertainment. And when they become adults and young teenagers and, and, and adults, they ain't in love with preaching, and so they got to have entertainment. I think the doctor knew what he was saying. That's where we're living at now. I understand with, with bus kids and people don't know how to sit in church uh, and all that, but there ain't no need for a church kid not be in preaching service. And I'll tell you, we're, we're reaping that now. We're reaping that now because we have a generation that thinks church is supposed to be an experience. Church ain't an experience. It's an expression of worship. Church ain't like riding the fury at Carowinds. I rode the fury. I got a t-shirt and a bracelet to prove it. No, church is where we come in to worship and magnify the Lord. It's not an experience. It's an expression of worship. It speaks of involvement and take up. It speaks of identification. Take up his cross daily. In the Roman world, the cross was a symbol of shame, guilt, suffering, and rejection. In that Roman culture, you would not dare wear a cross on your person. No more than you and I would wear an electric chair on our person today. It was a sign of disgrace, a sign of shame. Thus, when we take up our cross, we are identifying with the suffering, with the shame, with the rejection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, if the world hates you, marvel not, because they hated me first. The reason they hate us is because they hate him. That's why I have a problem when the world is comfortable with saved folks and with the church. Apparently, light is not shining in darkness. Light condemns darkness by just being present. You can walk in this building at 3 o'clock in the morning, hit that button back there, and the lights come on, and automatically the light has condemned the darkness. Why? Because it is light. Leonard Ravenhill said we are called to be salt and light, not sugar and lasers. But sadly, that's what the church has become in 2022, conforming to the age, conforming to the culture. 
trying to be relevant. Somebody said, preacher, are you trying to be, we ought, shouldn't you, don't you think we ought to be relevant in our sermons? I understand that to a certain extent, but we ought to be as relevant to the Word of God and what the Word of God is teaching. I understand making application. I understand uh, explaining things, explaining customs and bringing it down and driving the point home. But I'm telling you, we do not need to bring the Bible down to the people. We need to bring the people up to the Bible. We have a lot of people that are trying to dumb down the Word of God instead of educating their people. Mike Austin put something on Facebook the other day showing the discrepancies in other versions, how they say it's easier to understand these other versions. And it's a verse talking about Joseph, and they called Joseph in those other versions the Lord's Father. But he was not the Lord's Father. And the Bible goes way, the King James Bible goes way out of its way to prove that and protect the deity of Jesus Christ. But we've raised a culture that wants to bring it down to the people instead of bringing the people up to the Bible. So I said, preacher, how do you do that? You preach it. You teach it. You explain it. You apply it. That's why, and I, and I really don't have to scold anybody for this. I appreciate our church, how faithful you are to Sunday school and, and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I'm not saying everybody's in 100%, but I'd say we probably have 85% faithfulness in our church, which is more, 85 to 90%, which is more than the average place I go. And I thank God for that. And I appreciate the Bible students we have in this church. You know why? Because we are not trying to dumb it down. We are trying to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Identification. How did I get on all that? It also speaks, kind of bleeds over into this already, but it, this taking up this cross daily speaks of institution. In other words, when you take up that cross daily and follow Him, you're learning things that you wouldn't know. There are, there are churches I know that won't preach verse by verse through a book of the Bible like we have deal with difficult text, deal with things and, and, and prophecy or because they well, don't have an immediate application to us. Everything don't have to have an immediate application. Sometimes you just need some biblical education. I guarantee you, and all the kids in here are going to say amen, 90% of the stuff they teach you in school, you'll never use. I'm... I'm When's the last time you used algebra, Brother Tony? He said, algebra, I didn't even take it. <laughs> When's the last time you diagrammed the sentence? Because you're bored and nothing's on TV and you want to diagram a sentence. Said no one ever. But you know what? It's just good for your education to know those things. Now I got the parents back with me. They're like, preacher, you just told all my kids at school was useless. Well, it is, but you got to do it because it's part of it. Obviously, you don't have to read and write to become president in this country. Ain't that a blessing? What I'm saying, though, it ain't always something you're going to learn in school that day that you're going to be able to put in practice. But it's just good for your education. It's building your knowledge. It's building your education. Thus, the same with the Word of God. Everything you read tomorrow in your Bible reading, you're not going to be able to put in shoe leather. But it's just good for your education. It's good for your institution, for your learning. It's a daily practice. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. My time's almost gone. 
There's a sincere dedication, a, a sincere desire. If any man will come after me, a self-denial, let him deny himself. A submitted diligence and take up his cross daily. And last of all, simple dedication and follow me. That's so simple, ain't it? It involves three things. Let me give them to you quickly. It involves direction. If you are following Jesus, we've already emphasized this, that means you're going the direction that he's going. Secondly, and this is a word that none of us in here likes, not only does it involve direction, it involves discipline. Discipline. Discipline is the root word for, or disciple is the root word for discipline. Being a student, putting what you have learned into practice on a daily basis. You have to discipline yourself to read the Bible. You have to discipline yourself to, to pray. Well, I'll just have that burning desire. I agree with that, but you're not going to have that every day. And sometimes it's discipline and duty that's going to get you in that book. It's going to get you in that prayer place. And it involves a decision. Nobody's going to make you do it. You've got to do it yourself. Give me this and I'm done. The last thing you need to do for 2023 is say that you're going to read your Bible and pray every day in 2023. That's the last thing you need to do. You know why? Because there's 365 days in 2023. And you're going to see it 365 days, and it's going to be so massive, and you're going to say, there ain't no way that I can read my Bible and pray every day and witness and be a testimony for 365 straight days. Here's what you need to do. Get up Thursday morning, read your Bible, pray, be a witness, be a testimony, and go to bed. Get up Friday morning and discipline. All right, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to witness and be a testimony today. And then you get up Saturday morning and you get up and say, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. I'm going to witness and be a testimony and do right for God today. And you get up, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Instead of trying to plan for a year out, make it daily. Focus on Monday. And when you get Monday taken care of, focus on Tuesday. We get Tuesday taken care of, focus on Wednesday, and so on and so forth. Use the Bible reading schedules. We'll have two in the bulletin this upcoming year. The one we did like this past year, and then we're going to have a chronological Bible reading schedule. Use those. But don't let that overcloud you when you think 365 days, because you'll never make it. But if you say, I'm going to do it today, and I'm going to do this today, and then you take care of today, and when you get to the next day, you say, I'm going to take care of today. Just some things you need to do daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. May God help this text to be our prayer and our desire in 2023. Amen. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthew's going to come to the piano. Maybe God spoke in your heart tonight about daily discipline, daily things. We get so, we get.